Welcome to North Georgia Business Radio X, the one place committed to learning about the businesses, the individuals, and the organizations in our community where we want to be the mouthpiece for these organizations, these people that we want to know more about to have a voice. And I'm here with Dr. Bill Lampton. How are you doing, Dr. Bill? I'm doing fine. And guess what, Bo? We got through another Super Bowl. We made it through another Super Bowl. I've been hearing about the halftime show all day. And I've been thinking about the halftime show all day. Well, you know what? The, the dancing I saw, it kind of reminded me of seeing you cut a rug a few times here and there. I've got a twin brother. You must have seen him. I've met him. I mean, you must have seen oh, him Oh, that dancing. was the one dancing. Yes, I got it. right, okay, right. Okay. Well, one of the things that we can agree on, every once in a while it's nice to go out, maybe relax, have a nice beer, conversation. I've heard that you do that, yes, You've Bo. heard you could do that. And uh, I think we've got a great guest today that has something very unique going on here in North Georgia that I'd like to talk to. And, I mean, we just got a lot of questions that have come up. Yes, we'll go ahead and bring him on the show. Well, none other than Mr. Pat Data of Left Nut Brewing Company. Uh, Pat, welcome to North Georgia Business Radio X. Thank you, Bo. Glad to be here. Well, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, so, so let's do the 10,000-foot overview in two to three sentences. Tell me about Left Nut. Well, it's a, it's a microbrewery, and I think, you know, everybody at this point understands what a microbrewery is. It's uh, basically your local brewery that is using the old um, craft methodology uh, of getting pure ingredients and making some great beer. So at Left Nut Brewing, that's what we do. We bring it to Gainesville, and we send it all over the state. Well, I love that. So, so tell me, I, I just wonder... Was this something you've had experience with? Was this just a mission, a vision? You said, I would like to do something unique, or you just like beer a lot and said, let me get into that business? Well, a yeah, little from column A, a little from column B. Okay, um, got it. Uh, I've been a home brewer since, uh, I'm going to date myself, since the mid-'80s, Okay. Uh, since I first learned that you could brew beer and make it at home. And uh, throughout my corporate career of about 30 years, wherever they sent me around the world, I hunted down local breweries and tasted the flavors uh, that they had to offer and was always interested in it. And then uh, one day, um, when I took my retirement from corporate America, uh, somebody asked me what I wanted to do for the next 50 years of my life, and I decided to give them the answer that led to this, which is I would give up my left one to open a brewery. <laughs> so there's where the name came from. Exactly. And it's come to fruition. It's there. It has. Th th thanks uh, to some great people. Uh, thanks to the city of Gainesville, because they actually... Um, uh, were very, very uh, interested and engaged uh, when I was first looking for a place to open the uh, brewery. And uh, they made a lot of things happen for us um, in order to make that brewery a reality. Well, and I've been on the location. We'll talk about where that is and what it looks like. But I can tell that's no simple feat. You just don't go open a spot and set up shop. There's a lot going on there. And we can talk more about that. But it's absolutely it's a big outfit. It's a big ordeal, it looks like, to get everything to do what you do. It, it, it is. And you know what? When we set out to do this venture, um, the laws were different. Okay. And basically, the only way you could get beer to the market was through wholesalers and wholesalers only. You weren't allowed to sell it at your brewery itself. Okay. So remember, I don't know if you remember the days where you had to come in and buy samples and do tastings and you get a souvenir glass and those kinds of things. And that was just so to get people into the tap room to get the marketing and things going. But really, when the law has changed and it allows you to now sell directly to consumers at the brewery, although limited amounts, uh, there are you know limits to what we can sell out of there, uh, it did open up the door for different um, 
uh, I guess, form factors of breweries. So, for example, when we opened up, because it was only distribution-based, we had to build something of scale. And that's what you're seeing is the big size of the systems, the venue, and everything else. Uh, because wholesalers want to know that you can provide the volume right. once they start supplying your beer to the market. However, nowadays, because the new law change, um, you can actually go in and buy a case of beer at your local brewery, and that allows a much smaller form factor uh, of a brewery to exist that can make small batches and sell everything they make right at their doorstep. Wow. Now, is it, is it unique to what you're doing to actually have the, have the ability to walk up to the bar? And, and have the beer, or is that that's something that's... Uh, well, no, I think um, most breweries will have a tap room, um, and the law allows us to have that tap room and allow to sell by the glass as well as to have some, you know, for you guys to uh, take away um, in packages. Uh, but it is, it is a method for us to have more direct control of the revenue we make. Right. Got so, it. Yeah. Well, Bill, I know the idea of free samples is getting exciting to you. I can see you itching to go. So did you have a question? You can't see me smiling on the air, but you're, you're right. You're looking the wrong way. Yes. <laughs> a question I have, Pap, is you mentioned buying uh, some beer and taking it away. Well, I can do that at you know a grocery store, a, a liquor store. So what is it that has appeal? I'm not any beer connoisseur. I like beer, but I've never ventured very far in any direction. So why the appeal? What is it? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I think it's uh, synonymous to or analogous to uh, visiting wineries. You can buy the wines anywhere, right? But when you go to the winery, you get that experience. You see the people that are making it. You get to talk to the people that are making it. You get to feel, feel part of the process, part of the history of not only that place, but the whole art of making beer and so forth. Because through the tours, through their interaction, through everything else, you learn more about what you're drinking, okay? And that's a great, great thing for uh, you as a consumer, you as a fan, you know, me as a producer, because the more educated consumers we have, the better. So when you come out there, you get that education, you get that sense of place, you get that sense of history, everything wrapped into one. And frankly, that makes a beer taste so much better. <laughs> well, one thing that, that I do know more from hearing other people than myself, but I do know that wine, for example, uh, can become very, very pricey, and maybe because it's been around so much longer than beer. Do, are, are there very much, is there very much uh, deviance in pricing with beer as there is with wine? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, um, we have beer that appeals to the masses, and they're priced for the masses. Then there are those connoisseurs who want specific styles, aged varieties, things that are higher in alcohol, that have been socked away in cognac barrels for years, and then they're poured, uh, you know, after three or four years. All of those things exist in beer just like they do in wines and fine spirits. So once you kind of understand that aspect of beers and uh, types of beers and the styles of beers, that you can have those types of depth, flavor, uh, characteristics, um, then, yes, the price does vary. There are beers right now, you know, in fact, there are... Um, certain craft beer bars and restaurants around Atlanta where you can get their secret menu and they'll have a bottle for $120, $130, and it's beer. Wow. Uh, I've never had one that good. <laughs> <laughs> you need to come by our place. <laughs> 
Well, you, you brought up something that comes up over and over again is people will come out and they'll pay for an experience, right? Yeah. And, and it's, you're right, you could, you could stop by the store, grab a six-pack. And walk home. But that's not something you're going to yeah. be talking about three years from now, five years from now, telling your right. friends about. So, right. so kudos to you for creating an experience. And I also see a lot of the things you do for the community and with the community at the venue. You've created a really neat venue, and we can talk a little bit about that. But I know... So the core business of, of making the beer, selling the beer, you're doing that. But I also, just from watching you and, and our conversations, following you on Facebook, there's a bigger mission there for the community, it seems like. So tell me if I'm onto something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my history has been more in the corporate sector. So 30-plus years in the corporate sector, uh, global roles, all of that stuff. And throughout all of that, <clears throat> the idea was to, if you create something that – you had to have the ability to give back to the people that you were creating it for. And not in just the products you make, but in a bigger, more way. So how do you create a legacy that's bigger mm -hmm. than you are, bigger than what you're doing as, as the project itself? And I think that's something that was always within you know, my, my sort of back of my mind to say, if we build something, it has to have meaningful um, uh, sort of contribution into the community. And, and that's what we do. So we, we, we do things for, I, I think you've heard the SISU, uh, which is the Challenge Child Organization yes, and everything else. Yes. You know, they have their benefits over there. We do a big benefit for cystic fibrosis. Uh, we're tr uh, trying to work uh, closely with the Georgia Mountain Food Bank. Uh, we need to do something with them soon coming up. Um, because one of my pet peeves is, in this country, you shouldn't have hungry kids. Right. So what can we do through the brewery? to raise awareness, to basically have events, because I now have a venue. You know, you've alluded to the fact that, you know, we have a nice place and everything else. The venue does lend itself to be used, so why not use it? Right. And well, yeah. even Amped Kids, right? We, me and absolutely. Joy were out yeah, you were the there in the Amped Kids, yeah, absolutely. April Rooks organization, just good, absolutely. good community yeah. causes. And, and again, kudos for going beyond the business, because I think at the end of the day, the, the more we do this, the more people we talk to in our community, it goes around because of the business owners, right. what they're giving back. And a lot of times it's even behind the scenes. So, so, well, I think as I think about, we talked about regulations, law changes. Where do you see it going, Pat? Well, I think, you know, Georgia has taken some steps. Now, um, you'll be surprised to hear that we are still in the bottom three across all 50 states with respect to the type of laws we have and breweries per capita and everything else, which is surprising. We're wow. actually number 50 as far as breweries per capita go okay. because of the historically restrictive rules and regulations that have been here. Because you compare us with something like North Carolina, mm -hmm. and you know it's booming over there. You know, uh, West Coast breweries are um, opening their secondary sites in North Carolina, Virginia, those areas. So I think, you know, one of the things that we want to do is basically get into a mode where we can actually have more control of how we sell and who we sell our products to. Not always have to have the restrictive channels in which to take our product to the market, right. as well as be able to um, sell you what you want directly at our doorstep. And if we open a second site, be able to transport our product from one site to another to sell it to the second site. Right now, you can't do that. There's okay. certain restrictions to that. So there's a lot of just small things that could free up the ability for the product that we're so proud of making in Gainesville right. reach the broader masses in Atlanta and in Georgia. Which, in turn, allows you to do more here right at home. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's full circle. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, well, let's talk a little bit. I don't want to miss the opportunity because there's always things going on over there. 
yep. at Left Nut. Yep. Anything coming up that somebody listening might need to know? Because I'm trying to think the best way for a listener that maybe hasn't been out there, they were out there a while back and didn't know some of the things going on, what's some things we could interest them in to say, hey, come out and check it out? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, uh, we're open uh, typically from Wednesday through Sunday um, in the afternoons, evenings, um, Fridays and Saturdays, pretty much throughout the whole day in the evening. But beyond that, you know, I just want to kind of, uh, uh, first of all, thank Gainesville, Hall County, Georgia, because we are about to celebrate our fourth anniversary on March 21st. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a great journey. Uh, it's been a very challenging journey, but we're here, and uh, we are here to celebrate that with everybody that can be our fans, uh, people who are uh, going to be new to us maybe, come and see us. Uh, great facility. We're going to have food trucks, lots of special beers, muse, live music throughout the day. So we're, ju we're just going to celebrate. And date and time again? Uh, it's going to be March 21st okay. from noon till 11 p.m. Okay, that, that might be a good experience. We want to go out there to, to help support our friend. I'll ride with you, Bo, and, uh, <laughs> and, and you drive back, okay? <laughs> well, Pap, any other, any other ways people listening get involved, check out Facebook, website? I know the best thing is going to come have the experience. Oh, absolutely. But I, what I would suggest is that for people who – there are still a lot of people that are have reservations about craft beer because mm -hmm. it's been too bold in flavor, too bitter, too this – uh, don't lock yourself out of the experience because you've only tasted a couple of things. And that's why, whether it's our brewery at Left Nut or all the myriad of breweries that are around Metro Atlanta now, go visit it. You're right. going to find some unique experiences, unique products that you never think would exist as beer. Right. So I would say uh, to everybody, discover. It's at your doorstep. We are local. You get to see who makes your food, makes your product. So come and see us. Well, and that, that brings up a question, too. Is there a number that you say, hey, we have this many different beers available at any given time or this many core I, offerings? I, absolutely. We have five flagships available year-round. Okay. But on top of that, we have between 14 and 16 others always on tap uh, in various uh, flavor forms and others using a lot of Georgia-grown products, uh, such as and I'm going to give a shout-out to Jaymore Farms because they've done a great job in providing us with all the fruits we need for all of our beers that use the peaches and blackberries and strawberries from them. Well, one of the things, in my language, people have heard me talk this way for a year, one of the things that makes life truly rich, we're not necessarily talking about millions in the bank, it's these experiences. So I really encourage our listeners to, to check this out. Go have an experience. Go taste it. See something you might like. Plug into the community. Support somebody that's supporting businesses in these causes. Because, Pap, again, kudos for all the the awareness and the things you're doing with the local, because there's a lot of good organizations and charities doing Absolutely. good work right here at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bo, I have a feeling that you're going to support his business. I, hey, I want to do my part. <laughs> I don't want to just be lip service. you got to do your part. Right? That would be lip service. <laughs> but. Well, Pat, thanks so much for being a guest on North Georgia Business Radio X, and uh, thanks for what you're doing with Left Nut Brewing and doing in the community. Thank you so much for having me. appreciate it. Appreciate Thank it. you, Pat. Thank you. Well, Bill, um, We've got another guest, and I'm excited because talking about a service, a need fulfilled in a community, you know, the demographic I deal with a lot, it's kind of getting into the retirement side of things, and I see as people go through these, this timeline of life, there's needs, and sometimes they're not addressed, or there's not good ways to address it, or, um, but I believe this service we're going to learn more about next is great in our community, so why don't you introduce us to our next guest? Well, you're right on target with that, Bo, because there are many services that 
elderly people need that their families can't meet for a variety of right. reasons. I'm delighted to welcome Dana Chapman. I've known Dana for more than a couple of decades, and one of the hallmarks of her professional life is that she has dedicated herself to the not-for-profit world, and in doing so has helped many, many hundreds and thousands of people and is still doing the same thing. Dana Chapman is now head of Independent Transportation Network. Dana, welcome to the program. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, we are certainly fascinated by what you do. I'll have to admit that I was not aware of it. So what is independent transportation? What's that all about? It is a very unique service that was brought to Hall County by some dedicated volunteers. And the origin of it was with the um, Chamber of Commerce Vision 2030 campaign. Right. And in that vision, uh, the need for specialty transportation for people over 60 and the visually impaired um, was identified. And eventually that project was taken on by the Wisdom Keepers. And as Wisdom Keepers Project has evolved, it has gone from a more simple adult learning format to a, a full-fledged uh, 501c3 entity of its own. And in the process of their growth, the Wisdom Keepers took up the idea of, of what is the best way to provide special transportation that is um, centered around the needs of people who are fragile mm -hmm. and um, who would like very much to continue to be active in every way they can be and their families need that assistance. And uh, this group of volunteers back in 2014-15 um, did a lot of research and did some traveling and saw the offices of services around the country, and they they um, zeroed in on the Independent Transportation Network, mm. which it was originally founded in Portland, Maine, by a woman named Catherine Freund, who is still working in Portland at their office today. And now there are 14 affiliates of the Independent Transportation Network, and we are the newest. We are the youngest, oh, nice. and the only one in Georgia. Well, one of the, the traumatic times in an elderly person's life and in their family as well is when they can no longer drive. And many children face the challenge of addressing that with their parents. And, of course, it's for safety reasons. Well, if they can no longer drive, are they to just be marooned at home? And that's even more depressing. Losing mobility and losing independence is a tremendous shock. And so you're feeling a great, not just physical need, but you're feeling a great psychological need there as well. You are right. There are a lot of emotional needs that are served by being, being able to call your own shots on your goings and comings in your transportation and whether or not you can continue to go to church and um, get your hair cut by yourself, go get your own groceries. Um, and then there are the really pressing things that we tend to the most is medical appointments. Sure. And um, that's vital and critical to so many other issues, to the issues of poverty, the issues of, of good, good health and preventative medicine. 
it it is so true for all of us that getting to the doctor's office, especially the first time, is really challenging and really overwhelming if you're trying to make sure you're in the right place and have you made a good decision about where you are and is it in your control and how do you pay for it. And it's really an overwhelming time. But to have someone with you who's transporting you to that appointment, who's going to reassure you about where you are, what time you're there, making sure you're on time, um, it's amazing what the service can do in terms of preventing um, illness that would come up if someone right. did not go. Uh, one of the things, Dana, I hate to put anything in a box, right? But for the listener, it's very valuable to paint a picture. So, so I'm just wondering, is there any, for somebody listening, that any, any strokes you could paint about um, an age range, certain things you see so that someone might say, you know what, that sounds like me or that sounds like a resource for a loved one. Just kind of some specific, maybe examples that you see more yes, often. Yes, yeah. thank you. Let me, it, this, is, um, this is intricately done and it, it, the formula that the Independent Transportation Network uses to do this work is, is pretty complex. So I'm happy to uh, try to explain it. It is um, special in that it is door through door and arm through arm service. One car, one driver, one rider at a time, one trip at a time to get somewhere to get someone where they need to be um, it is for people who are 60 and over okay and we do serve folks who are younger than that who are anywhere between 18 and 60 whose primary problem is a visual impairment we have some younger riders in their 20s who are we're taking them to their volunteer work to their work to their job to church to parties um so that's a a a great service to provide too but our primary client is folks who are over 60 who have decided to stop driving and to go back to your point bill it's a it's you're right it is a very stressful time um, when folks need to stop driving. And I'll tell you a quick story about the origin of the Independent Transportation Network. Catherine Freund was a young professional when her little boy was six years old. He was struck by a car in their neighborhood that was driven by a senior impaired driver. And it was probably a situation that the family had struggled with for quite some time and that taking the driver's license away was the issue they were facing and how were they going to handle that. And Catherine's energy, as as her boy did recover, um, he is, has a family today and he's around the Portland area, Catherine put her energy into saying instead of how do we take their driver's license away and stop these, get these folks off the road, which sometimes you, you know, you want to, can, you can do that when you're in your car, sort of fuss at somebody who's in the wrong lane or whatever. But the real point here was how do we help these folks continue to be a vital part of the community? And one of the things that struck me in thinking about being with you all on your show today is that every time a senior stops driving, that uh, retail community loses a customer. Right. Um, so there are the, so many benefits, emotional, and there are so many benefits to the families who know that their loved one can be safely independent and be cared for um, as they're being driven. Um, our rides are provided 24-7. Um, even when the business office might be closed, rides are still taking place. We do this primarily with volunteer drivers. And, Pap, I'm hoping you'll consider driving for us on a Sunday. <laughs> Sunday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Um, drivers are um, critical to what we're doing because the volunteer drivers help us keep the cost down to the riders. What kind of training do you give the drivers? We do a criminal background check first and a driver's license check. And we, um, we, 
we're fortunate that most all our drivers are 49 volunteers right now to the service. And most all of our drivers are people that we know. We've run into them at Kiwanis or we've seen them at, at their business. They're folks who are active community folks and who are willing to give a little bit of time back. So it's great that we have a small enough community that we can be really acquainted with our drivers really quickly. So we, we sort of base our training on what we know they already know. And, if, are, and, and are your drivers mostly retired people? They are. Mm -hmm. They are. Most. And um, and But we do have folks who are working. Um, my husband is a driver. Um, it was it wasn't too hard to convince him to 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 help me out, but he loves the driving, loves what he's doing. He's working full time, but he's able to drive on the weekends, and that's um, what makes this volunteer work great. Is it is very available, very flexible to build build the work around your own schedule. All the rides are coordinated by specialty software that that we lease from ITN America, and the software is it's logistics. It it um, calculates each ride by longitude and latitude and the number of miles that are involved in that particular ride. So when someone wants to become a rider, they sign up with us for a membership. And once they become a member, they get an invoice at the end of the month for the charges for those rides so that they can see that the service has already been provided and they are getting a paper invoice in the mail for those rides. And they're seeing exactly what the mileage was and what the charges were. And I can give you more detail on that, too. Well, that one of the things is, is just going back to how it works. Um, so, so software, you sign up. Software, you can basically, I need a doctor's appointment. You could request it, it sounds like. What about, let's say I have a two-hour two hour doctor's appointment. Is the, is the driver staying there with me? Are they going to another ride? I mean, how's that work? Great question. The drivers are scheduled so that they have a second route. And you think okay. of it as one trip at a time. So if we pick up your mom and take her to the doctor, our manager at our office figures, knows she's looking at the mileage and looking at the origin and the destination. And she's also looking at the driver to see where the volunteer driver lives and mm -hmm. how far they drive. We have folks who live in Marvel and want to drive North Hall. We have folks who live in Brazelton and want to drive, um, actually intentionally drive on Spout Springs Road. Right. Um, we have folks who say, I would only, I'd like to stick with 30501, 30504. Um, and we, we have drivers who say, I only am able to work for you for two hours on Thursday afternoons. And we plug them in using the software. It, it, it matches the drivers with the riders. So when we take your mom to the doctor, we, we help her get in through the door, make sure she's in the right place, her walker, her cane. Um, uh, we do work with wheelchairs. Um, we have some folks who are in wheelchairs if they're able to be more independent once they get in with their chair. And then a second driver is already scheduled. We take a, a good educated guess of how long that doctor's appointment is going to be, and we schedule a second driver to come around and pick that person up and take them home. Well, somebody's really done a lot of work because there's logistics involved here. That's, it is. That's, it's, you know, that's, that's complicated. Yes. I was saying to Bill earlier that I, it, it is unusual when you find a nonprofit that is, is literally and figuratively driven by technology it is we're very dependent on good software and also on our great staff members who understand how to make that software do exactly what it needs to do for us every day in terms of getting people where they belong and when I was hired to be the director of this um, agency in 2018 we were providing about 
30 rides a week. And now we are providing over 100 rides a week, wow. 110, 120 rides a week. Um, the demand is certainly there. And um, our biggest need from the community is to have folks help us by driving. They drive their own car. Um, and another um, great question is insurance. Hmm. Our drivers use their own insurance as their first line of coverage. Okay. And ITN carries a liability policy that covers folks over and above that. And fortunately, across the country, all the way from Monterey Bay to Kentucky, the issues with insurance are few and far between with the particular kind of rides we're doing and the customers we serve. Well, one of the things I was curious about is, as we're talking about this, Dana, is as we we look at being a nonprofit and people care about money, so we said the volunteers reduce the cost, but there is some kind of a cost. Let's talk about that. Let's just get that on the table. And then the other question I was curious about, there, there is a cost, and then are the drivers compensated in any way, or are they just pure volunteers? Perfect. The, the cost to become a member is $50 a year. That's an annual bill that folks would get. Okay. And we ask people to put in a $50 deposit into their own transportation account that we hold for them, and their subsequent rides are drawn down at, off of that balance. The ride cost is $4 for pickup and a dollar per mile. So the average trip in Hall County with our geography and the need to cross the lake and the places we have to cover is a $12 per trip. Okay. And it, it seems a bit pricey at first. It, it is certainly compared to um, municipal transit. It's going to be more expensive. It's um, more inexpensive than a taxi, more dependable probably than an app-based service like Uber and Lyft. And you get to know your drivers there it's organized neighbors helping neighbors right. and our drivers do earn driving credit so bill when you sign up to be a driver for me which i know you're going to do real <laughs> soon you can you'll have your own account in our system that will that will be there for you and you'll earn credits when you drive and those credits you can um, give those to our scholarship fund and scholarshiping folks takes away that $50 annual membership okay and it reduces the pickup fee to $2 and the per mile to 50 cents so for folks who are under a certain amount of income per month, uh, we look at those individually on each application that we get. Um, we, we can scholarship them because of the donations that come in through the drivers. No, I love that because there is. There's people in our community that need uh, the, the, $50, the, $100, the $50 in the deposit would be That's a lot. cumbersome. Right. And we want to serve as many people as we can so scholarships are available. Excellent. We have time for one more question before we get your contact information and the question is how wide is the geographic area that you serve we serve only hall county there are other affiliate chapters that do cross their county boundary there's a couple in florida and i know monterey bay california they cover several counties but here the best thing for us to do when we were chartered was to serve hall county we cross over the line a little bit into coming a little bit into White County and a little bit into Brazelton. Uh, Houston is, we can't go there. It's too far. We have to stick to Hall County only. Well, somebody out there listening, and again, to me, uh, it's painting the picture. If this is, this is something that could help me. This is a resource for a loved one or a family member. What's the best way to plug in, find out more? Is it a website? Is it a call? What do you think, Dana? A, ca a phone call. Um, our, our manager and I are happy to talk to people and help them work through it. And it's very much the kind of thing that when you have to stop driving, and it is so difficult to do, and you're facing so much that's out of control, 
talking to us over the phone makes people feel really good about about signing up. It's an application. We'll step them through. I, we actually both make home visits to help people with their applications. We do that lots and happy to do that. Meet them at their church. Meet them at their at the senior center. We go and and help people get in. There's a website for their children. A lot of the children live out of state okay. and help pay for this uh, from a distance. And there's a PayPal. A location to pay so that the children can help the, f- the family afford it. And, and that website is? www.itnlanier.org. Very good. Well, Bill, another great show talking about business and organizations doing things in the community, business owners giving back in the community. It truly is what makes North Georgia go around. Very fascinating. Well, Dana Chapman with ITN Lanier, thanks so much for being on North Georgia Business Radio X. Pap Data with Left Nut Brewing. Had a blast, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Bill, we'll, we'll be talking with more businesses, organizations, and learning about the people right here in North Georgia. Same time, same place. Next, Next week, week. Yes, on sir. North Georgia Business Radio X.